Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On this episode, we share the latest on the Michigan football recruiting front, reflect on Gary Muller's life, and talk a little hoops coming up here on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here. Uh, Wednesday morning, July 13th. We are in person here in the M Live Ann Arbor office. The last time we recorded together in person was March 11th. 2020. The headline of that podcast episode was Michigan's Big Ten Tourney Outlook plus coronavirus fallout. And here's the description. And then I'm going to offer $1 for a trivia question here. Michigan opens the Big Ten Tournament on Thursday versus Rutgers plus women's hoops and hockey updates. And the Michigan football team deals with another departure at linebacker. $1 to whoever can name that linebacker. Jordan Anthony. No, uh, Devin Gill. We have a winner, folks. It's oh, my God. Am I good or what? Devin Gill. He, uh, he transferred to South Florida. Uh, he ended up opting out of that season. You know, that was, of course, the, the corona-affected season. Uh, and, then, and then so he never actually played for them because then he ent- entered the portal again, it looks like, and, and tried to transfer to the University of Miami. I never could see that he ever played for them either. So Devin Gill ever played another snap of college football. I couldn't find it for sure. But he he is the player. I can't believe. How, how did you possibly remember that? There, it says another departure linebacker. There are multiple linebacker departures, apparently. It was a lucky guess. But also, like, I do these updates on all these transfers every like twice a year. So I, I'm going through and, and when they transferred and updating how they're doing, I'm like, no, that kind of registered Devin Gill around that time. He spent a couple of years there. And so, yeah, it was kind of a shot in the dark, but I kind of had a little bit of an idea there. Congrats to me. That would have been probably my second or third guess. Like, like you said, there were a ton of transfers at that point that, uh, you know, that point of the year and everything. So like he came up, but Jordan, for some reason, Jordan Anthony stuck out to me. Yeah, we ended up we you know we were we were talking about you know COVID at that point as, as the headline you know mentioned uh, and the joke was made that you know Aaron you said right away you thought Ryan had coronavirus which as we were reflecting earlier you were remembering that for our last time here together Ryan was, was sneezing and coughing and it wasn't wasn't great yeah, exactly I remember him sneezing thinking oh my god he's probably got it and I was I remember like jokingly like walking away or whatever and then sure enough like a week or two later everything got shut down so it was wild wild times. The, the real question is, back then, how long were you dating Kim, your soon-to-be wife, at that point? Because uh, this is the last podcast that Aaron will be a single man. You just had to bring that up, huh? Uh, probably at that point, it had been over, well over a year. Um, yeah, getting married on Friday. I think we alluded to this last week. A lot going on. I'm getting married. And we're, we're closing on a house. A lot, a lot going on in my life. Actually picked the right time because it's summer and things are relatively slow with the football team. But you know, it's mid-July. Things are gonna start, you know, getting busier in about a month. And uh that's a nice thing. Football's right around the corner. It, it is funny we're getting together, even though, you know, for the first time in so long here, uh, even though we will again in, in just two days. Uh so yeah, c- congrats. Was is are you taking a honeymoon? right away or so will this be your last podcast for a week or two or what's your deal no i'll be around for a few more weeks michigan's the football team's going on their statewide tour i plan on doing that big 10 media days are coming up in a couple of weeks so we're going to hit all that stuff first honeymoon will be like beginning of august first week of august right kind of coinciding with the beginning of camp uh so not going to miss too much at least i, I hope not hopefully there's no breaking michigan news on friday night no kidding <laughs> i think all three of us are gonna be at the wedding right that is a great point. I've, I've got a couple of questions. We won't get into it too much. We'll do a full recap, of course, next week. But just a couple of quick questions. DJ or band? 
DJ. But, but, but we've got a friend of ours who is in a wedding band himself. He's going to sing our first dance song. So there's a little bit of both there, I guess. Very nice. Best of both worlds. Will Miller Light be served at this no, wedding? No, Bud Light and Blue Moon. Blue Moon. You can't go wrong with Blue Moon then. I mean, and, and, and I got to point out top shelf liquor too. So you get everything. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. And Ryan and I are at the same table. We already established that before. I'm 95% sure. I didn't have full control of this sitting chart, but I, I believe you guys are. Yes. Fair enough. All right. Like like we said, we got some other, some other topics to get to here. Let's start with uh, football recruiting. What is the latest? The biggest headline I've seen, I think, since since we last recorded was uh, quarterback Dante Moore choosing Oregon uh, over Michigan and some other programs, which we mentioned his name uh, when CJ Carr, you know, committed to Notre Dame as a quarterback over Michigan. Um, how Dante Moore is maybe sort of a backup plan, even though they were different classes, just as far as bringing in a, a you know, a new quarterback into this program. But now he is off the table. Yeah, I mean, th- this has got his thing for Michigan. I mean, he was their first offer back in eighth grade. Um, has They've continued to recruit him all the way since, and he's developed into a premier quarterback prospect in the country, uh, top 20 kid, five-star prospect right in their backyard. And for him to go all the way to the West Coast to a school that, I mean, who knows what conference they're even going to be in in a couple of years too. Um, it, it, they have a new coach over there as well. So um, it, it's got a thing for Michigan, but if you talk to recruiting experts, it's not that big of a surprise. It, it just, Michigan did a lot to try and win them over. But again, it, it comes down to relationships and he didn't feel like he had those um, at, at Michigan compared to some of the other schools that were in contention. And and now Michigan's left uh, left at the altar, so to speak, and, and really doesn't have any backup options. He was their only quarterback offer in this class. And at this point in the game, it's already July. There's not many more uncommitted options out there. So Michigan's going to have to do some digging here, maybe circle back to some guys that are committed elsewhere. Um, or, and it just puts a lot more pressure on that 2024 class. But if you look at who's available right now, only three of the top 30 quarterbacks in the 2023 class are still uncommitted. So not many options at, at this point. Le- left at the altar. I mean, what a phrase to use here uh, all weeks to say that. Unbelievable. Uh, it's another recruiting miss for, for Michigan at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, it's been a really mind boggling, puzzling summer for them, as we've talked about in years past and, uh, or excuse me, in weeks past. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it doesn't look good when you, when you miss on, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned CJ Carr and Dante Moore, uh, you know, at some point you got hit on one of these guys. Yeah. And it's the most important position in football. You need a, a, a dynamite quarterback to, to be able to compete in it for, for championships. And I mean, this is going to be two cycles in a row here, most likely that they don't land an elite guy. I know they did sign two guys last cycle, um, two three stars in Jaden Denigal and, and Alex Orgy. Um, but uh, those are two project type players, not a sure thing. They're going to need a couple of years of development. Um, so yeah, this year was, was you're thinking, you know what, bring in, bring in Dante Moore. Uh, he can sit behind JJ McCarthy for a year and then take the reins as a starter for, for two, three years. But uh, obviously plans have to be shifted now. I mean, there's still always a, a chance at a flip. Uh, I would say a very small chance. Um, so right now, I mean, you're thinking, all right, what are the options? The only one that I'm really seeing that seems pretty feasible right now is there's a quarterback from Warren D. LaSalle, uh, Brady Drogosh, uh, six foot four, 200 pounder, uh, more of a dual threat guy. He's ranked number 494 overall, the number 26 quarterback in the class. 
Um, he grew up a, a Michigan fan. He was actually at the, the Michigan Ohio State game this past year as a fan. But again, he does. Michigan hasn't offered him yet, and it's unclear how how much interest is there. So he's currently committed to Cincinnati. Uh, if Michigan gets desperate, they can maybe try and open some lines of communication there. But again, it's getting late in the cycle for quarterbacks, and uh, there's not not many options for for this cycle. One one more thing, too, one more before we you know sw- switch gears. But I think one thing working against Michigan in this you know inability to land him was. Josh Gaddis. I mean, Josh Gaddis had departed. It's reportedly they he developed a decent relationship with Dante Moore. Um, and when you lose your offensive coordinator and the guy essentially at the helm of the offense, um, that that hurts. Uh, you know, when you lose that connection, we talk about it all the time. You know, assistant coach relationships are key here. Um, and yes, while Jim Harbaugh was the one that offered the scholarship years ago, you know, it, it, the relationship just isn't the same. So I, I think that and the combination of Michigan's quarterback room right now, which is very packed, a lot of guys there. There'll be a lot of guys ahead of him. There's been a lot of talk, obviously, about J.J. McCarthy's future. And then, obviously, Kate McNamara played really well last year. You know, if you're a five-star quarterback in this climate, in, in this football era, you you essentially want to come in and, and try and play right away. And I, I think Dante probably looked at the situation and said, well, he might not have a shot to do that given what's ahead of him. So I, I don't blame him. In the same token, you wonder what, what were the other factors at play. NIL obviously always comes up. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh is obviously always a, a interesting variable there. Um, just, you know, just another you know, big miss, I think, for Michigan. I'm glad you mentioned NIL because it doesn't sound like that was too much of a factor in his recruitment. He said at his uh, commitment ceremony that he actually declined NIL meetings on his visits to schools because he wanted to commit for the right reason. So, uh, I mean, obviously it'll, it'll probably play a factor down the road, but it didn't seem, I know Michigan's been criticized a ton for their uh, NLI approach, but I don't know how much of a factor that played in, in, in Moore's recruitment. I think it was more about fit and playing time at, at this point. So yeah, I'm gl- glad you, glad you brought that up. NIL, I'm, I'm hesitant of believing anything anyone says anymore about NIL because you're seeing numbers thrown out there that have been reportedly inflated. You're seeing guys say, well, NIL is a big deal. And I'm not saying it, it, it was or was not a decision, you know, a factor in his decision. Um, but the reality is it's becoming the overarching reason a lot of these kids commit. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. It is, it is interesting because, you know, there's, there hasn't been a ton of momentum for Oregon. They got, a, yes, they have a new head coach, but the PAC 12 is being decimated. You wonder about the future of the Oregon football program in itself. Um, it, it's just, it's, just a, it's a weird situation for someone in, in Michigan's backyard, just to, just to walk away and go across the country, just like that. It's not a disastrous situation for Michigan though, at quarterback, is it? I mean, cause they, they could still, they could still look to that 2024 class. That would be the year that McCarthy would be a senior, right? This is 2022, you know, so you, you get one year of, of whoever that would be in the program, you know, doesn't have to play necessarily. And then, you know, could come in that, that next year and play. It's not, you know, you wanted these guys, but and you want more than one, one guy in the room or whatever, but it, it's, there's still time to get that ne- next class. Yes. Yeah, the, that is correct. It's just now you're, you're putting more pressure on yourselves for the next class too. Right. Like when we, when CJ Carr committed to Notre Dame, they're like, all right, well, still Dante Moore. And now Dante Moore's committed elsewhere. It's like, all right, now you got it. Like you got to eventually land some of these guys. So I, I do still think that they sit in a pretty good spot with Jaden Davis, five-star in the 2024 class, spend it, bend to campus, 
um, recently seems to be really high on Michigan. He's uh, the number 19 overall recruit nationally, number five quarterback next cycle. He's from North Carolina. So he's, he's becoming even more of a target now and a must land for Michigan. And there's also this Michael Van Buren kid from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Obviously Michigan has had a, a nice little pipeline, um, with, with that program over the next, last few years, Blake Corum, Nikai Hill Green, uh, Derek Moore, most recently, uh, from, from that school. Biff Poggi, who coached there, is, is on Michigan staff now, too. Um, so, I mean, the, he's a top 100 guy. So they need to get one of these two guys. Or, uh, yeah, then then criticism for quarterback recruiting is definitely warranted because you can't go three cycles without landing a, an elite guy. Not at Michigan, at least. And look, it comes down to development at the end of the day, too. It, sure, they don't get the five-star guy, but if they can get a four-star guy that's workable and talented and, and, and it has something going for him. And you develop them and put them in the right situation, they can still be successful. I mean, you saw that with Cade McNamara. He was like a low, mid-four star. He wasn't that five-star superstar. Um, but they they turned him into a, a, a you know, a, an elite quarterback last year. He played well. They won games. And you can still do it. So you don't necessarily need that five-star stud. Uh, but again, it, it goes against the, the long, you know, it goes with that narrative now that Jim Harbaugh, you know, he's been able to, um, you know, in his, in his coaching lifetime, you know, coach up some great quarterbacks. You know, since he's gotten to Michigan, he hasn't really been able to land too many superstar quarterbacks. J.J. McCarthy's probably the outlier at this point. He had some guys that were probably a little overrated. Brandon Peters, I'm thinking of maybe Joe Milton. Um, but he hasn't consistently been able to land that five-star quarterback year after year. So this isn't too surprising, I guess. Uh, I, I think the one disappointing thing for Michigan fans and folks who pay attention to the program is that Michigan's coming off their best year under Jim Harbaugh. They got to the playoff one Big Ten title. You would think... They, they'd be able to parlay some of that momentum into, into the recruiting process, and it just it just hasn't happened. One final thing I'll say on this is, I mean, there 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 is still the possibility of, of a transfer portal addition, but the, the issue with that is, I mean, Michigan struggles with landing underclassmen in the transfer portal because of academic standards. So if you go that route, you're most likely going to have to find a, a graduate transfer. And at the quarterback position, I mean, if they're really good, they're most likely going to the NFL after three or four seasons too. So, and if they do that this year, I mean, you're not going to know who's going to be in the portal until after the season. And if you go that route, I mean, you're still going to have JJ for another year after this year. Is a guy going to come in here as a graduate transfer and, and sit behind JJ? It seems unlikely too. So uh, I, I don't know how viable of an option that is, but it, it is an, an option if, if Michigan can't, land a high school recruit this cycle and they've had mixed results there and jake rudock was a big transfer jim harbaugh was able to get in and graduate obviously they alan bowman you know people thought he'd be able to contend with the starting job that hasn't really worked out so i mean it's it's not a home it's not a guarantee either and jim harbaugh likes to talk about you know competition and everything else so even if you bring in a grad transfer there's no guarantee he starts and he's gonna have to work for it so it's so those things where I think Michigan's best best situation is, is recruiting his, the, their best possible player from high school and just developing developing him into that star. Um, and we'll see how things go. Uh, they're only entering year two with Matt Weiss, your quarterbacks coach. They got like a new new you know a couple of new coordinators there, kind of running the show. So we'll see where things go from a X's and O standpoint. But it's gonna be real interesting to watch in the next twelve months. They got they got to keep some stability there with the coaching staff. I think that's key there. I talk about that all the time, um, and we'll we'll see where things go from here. That's uh, you know, that's Michigan football's future, I guess. Uh, a well-known figure in the program's past, Gary Moeller, 
died uh, Monday at 81 years old. He was a Michigan assistant, uh, starting with Bo Schembechler's, you know, first year at Michigan in 1969 uh, until 1976. Um, he came back as an assistant from 80 to 89 and then was the head coach, uh, succeeding Schembechler for, for five years. Also, uh, stints in the NFL as an assistant, uh, including with the, the Detroit Lions. Uh, he was the interim head coach uh, to close uh, a season with them as well. Um, you know, you guys have, have both, you know, written about him a, a little bit here in these, in these days since, uh, yeah, I guess what, what can you add beyond that? What have you gathered about, uh, kind of Moeller's legacy at Michigan? Yeah, he was, he was a Bo disciple. I mean, he, he was with Bo at, in Miami of Ohio, even going back before his Michigan tenure. He's a guy who, who kind of w- was well, well, well liked, trusted, uh, rose up, rose up the ranks, so to speak. I mean, he started in high school coaching, went from this become an assistant coach. He was defensive and offensive coordinator at Michigan at different points in his, in his career. Uh, and then when Bo uh, resigned as head coach, he handpicked Gary to be the guy. He wanted him in place. He trusted him. He believed he had the, the knack to do it. Uh, and he was, he was largely, he was very successful. Won three big 10 titles. He was a two-time big 10 coach of the year. Um, you know, he kept recruiting up. He got some big name folks. I mean, he's, he was one of the guys credited with going out and getting Tom Brady. Uh, he turned Desmond Howard into a superstar. Um, he was a guy who I think transformed Michigan football a little bit. They, they threw the ball a little bit more under him. They kind of opened things up and he, he was well-liked, you know, obviously his ending wasn't, I think, um, you know, what folks expected or wanted. He obviously had to resign after his, his crazy, uh, drunken public outburst there in 1994. Um, but he was a guy, I think most folks look back on fondly. I think they, a lot of folks say that he had, he got a, he got a kind of a bad draw with things. You mentioned his head coaching stint with Detroit Lions, uh, finished the year out after Bobby Rawls resigned, uh, was given a new contract and expected the last, I think it was a two or three year deal. And then the Lions changed regimes, bringing Matt Millen and his administration or his, his regime, I guess. And they, they just decided to fire him, bring in a new coach. So it was, you know, he got a couple of years after that, he had assistant coach at the NFL level, then he decided to retire. But with the opportunity he was given, he was a very, very good assistant coach. Uh, I thought he was a good head coach. He still won at Michigan. He did a lot of great things. I, I just don't think he was given enough of a, of a chance. And I think that's, you know, that's looking back on his legacy. Legacy, it, it's very good. There were some obviously bad moments, but it could have been even better if you just got another opportunity. Yeah, and it's very, very tough to to replace and take over for a legend in, in Bo Schembechler. And then obviously Lloyd Carr gets a lot of praise for that 1997 championship team and, and what he was able to do with the Michigan program. But yeah, I spoke to a few folks. I, I just had a story published this morning about kind of uh, Moeller's impact on that 97 team. And, and you look at a lot of the key contributors from that team, a lot of them were recruited by Moeller. And, and I mean, I talked with John Jansen, who was recruited by Moeller and Fred Jackson, uh, an assistant coach at the time. And they both had lauded his, his ability to recruit and relate to players. And I think that went a long way in, in developing a, a long stint of success with the Michigan program. And uh, I mean, Fred Jackson, He's he coached for over three decades at the college level, and, and he told me that that Gary Moeller was the most outstanding coach he had ever coached under. So a lot, a lot of high praise there, and um, it, yeah, it seems like he was uh, very well respected by, by the by the coaches and players when he was at Michigan. We will have uh, you know continued coverage, more more stories on Gary Moeller coming uh, in these next next couple of days. Uh, you know, we said we'd hit on basketball a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the the men's team has has started to practice. Um, but I don't know if you've seen any of these, these videos or photos that the, the program has put out. You, you might've noticed that a, a couple of guys who, you know, will be on the roster are, are not there. Uh, and that's, that's Joey Baker and Yusef Kayat. 
Uh, Baker, the transfer from Duke, is rehabbing from from hip surgery, which he had in uh, mid-April. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I mean, it's not something that's expected to prevent him from from suiting up for the Wolverines this season, but um, it is is right now, at least. He's in Ann Arbor. Uh, You know, I heard from, that. that's at least a word from uh, the Michigan camp, as far as the the rehab, um, you know, someone who who knows Baker outside of Michigan, you know, ha- had mentioned uh, an NCAA waiver still needed to be uh, addressed. Um, he did enter the transfer portal, you know, technically, um, you know, after uh, the, the the NCAA's deadline, you know, to be immediately eligible. But as a grad transfer, you know, the the thought was never that that was going to be an issue with anyone, and I don't think it will be. Um, but you know. That, that's just something that was mentioned to me. Um, Kayat was was playing with the Lebanon's national team, you know, at the FIBA World Cup qualifiers in Lebanon, uh, you know, until until pretty recently that um, you had a few games there in, in early July. So uh, that delayed it. But as did his, his visa situation, that's still there's still a lot of paperwork that needs to be worked out to, um, you know, actually come to the United States and then be a college student. But um, again, no, uh, no concerns that that won't be sorted out. It just you know, it takes, it takes some time. So those two are not, are not with, with the team yet. Um, but remember they do have, uh, they do have a couple of games overseas in, in Greece and France that they're going to uh, in, in August, still, still waiting on, on details that all hasn't been confirmed, or at least uh, they're not willing to, to share the details of that yet. Um, you know, uh, for, for those games in advance of the actual regular season starting in November. All right. Well, guys, this was uh this was good to be back with you. Took us at least it took me uh, you know, a few minutes to realize I needed to just take off my headphones to avoid <laughs> avoid the echo as we're here in this room. Uh, kind of sad how long it took me, but here we are. All right. Well, thank you for listening and stay tuned for continued coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Mm-hmm.